Before we start our show this month, we wanted to acknowledge Doctor Who podcasting legend David Keep, who passed away earlier this month. For years, he's been the host of Professor Dave's Ark in Space, many, many years with his lovely wife, Elizabeth, and he was one of the first voices I ever heard in the land of Doctor Who podcasting on the WhoCast. Dave and Elizabeth were guests on Who & Company all the way back in 2017 for our seventh episode where they discussed one of their favorite shows, Firefly. And we wanted to send all of our love out to Dave's family and friends and listeners. He will be sorely missed. Welcome back to Who and Company. It's episode 67. I'm Brent. And I'm Drew. This month, Doctor Who turned 59. And to celebrate, I attended Long Island Who Presents Meglos, a succulent soiree, an annual Doctor Who convention held on Long Island in New York. Uh, the convention's TV guests include Peter Davison, Janet Fielding, Sarah Sutton, Sophie Aldred, Wendy Padbury, Fraser Hines, John Davey, Tim Dane Reed, Bob Marr, and Kevin McNally. And also in attendance were Matthew Jacobs and Vanessa Ewell. Matthew wrote the script for the 1996 TV movie, and together with Vanessa, they created the documentary Doctor Who Am I? So I got to sit down with Matthew and Vanessa, as well as Bob and Sophie and Wendy to discuss Doctor Who, their convention experience, and what they're watching on TV these days. And that's all coming up right after this. Hey there, it's Bav Palmer, and you're listening to Who and Company. All right, Drew, so tell me, um, what was the story of you getting up to Long Island Who last weekend? Uh, well, this is LI8 for me. Uh, I missed the very first one, but every year I travel uh, to New York with Pixel Who. So uh, Lee and Nathan, former guests on the show, uh, we all travel together. Uh, we help set up shop. They run vendors. I help them out when I can. But um, yeah, you know, I, we we missed a couple thanks to the pandemic, and then they started jump kind of jump back in last year and i don't think i was ready for conventions that year i think i had finals that very week uh i was still really nervous about being around people so the experience itself and it has nothing to do with the con the con was great but like the experience itself last year was eh this year was great, um, and I was really excited to get back in, jumping with both feet. Uh, the, the lineup that they had was fantastic, um, and it was a super, super chill. And Brent, I did something at this convention I have never done in the 20 years I've been going to conventions. I did not sign up for a single panel. Uh, so I went in, and I sat down, and I listened to panels, and I listened to guests. I never had to worry about um, having to do anything myself, with the exception of these four interviews that... Uh, we're about to listen to so yeah it was really good it was super chill that's great and you got some really good ones for us uh starting out with wendy padbury how did that come along well that was great um so um irene irene was running the um the the interviews and she's like who do you want to interview and i'm like well there's a lot of folks i have already interviewed and i know that they're they're all kind of chill 
I think that most most Doctor Who folks, especially those who were in the classic series, I think they're really tired of being asked <laughs> questions about Doctor Who. <laughs> um, and uh, Jason Miller was running uh, some questions, and he I knew he had pet Wendy last, and I was like, you know what? What if I just jumped in it right after you're done, and and just promised her like a five minute interview, just quick. And uh, she sat down, and you know, she could tell she was being very pleasant about it. But it was like the last day of the con; it had been a long con for her. And I asked her about television, and she just lit up like the entire energy <laughs> completely changed. Uh, and it was a really fun interview. She had some very good recommendations, and we'll listen to them now. So here we are. It is the end of the 2022. Long Island Who. Wendy Padbury, how are you? I'm tired. I know you are. <laughs> I'm good, but I'm tired. How's your con been? Oh, it's always it's always wonderful here. It's not it's just like meeting friends. Um, both with the people that run the convention, Ken and Billy and everybody, and also and Trish, of course, who always mm-hmm. looks after me. And um, and the fans. I recognise so many of them, even though I haven't been for a while. Because of COVID. Right, um, of course, yeah. Um, but, no, it's always wonderful. It's very relaxed for us, actually, which is lovely. And we, we just wander around, you know. If you could, When you go to America, it's not quite so easy because it's so big. But this this is lovely here, really lovely. Yeah, it's a really friendly ecosystem. You it know? is. I think the fans recognize that you need your space. And um, for the most part, they're they're very happy to uh, give it to you. Fans are really respectful, really, really respectful. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great one to come to. Well, just gonna take a little bit of your time. One of the things I want to find out is when you are not busy going to these conventions, what do you watch on television to relax, if anything? That's really interesting. I love a good a well. My latest favourite thing, which I've seen the whole series of, is Schitt's Creek. Yes. I absolutely love it. And I watched the making of at the Mm -hmm. very end of the series. I cried. Oh. I just think the writing, the performances were just brilliant. Just brilliant. So I'm curious. Did you see an advertisement for it and go, I should watch that? Or did someone recommend it? Because I'm always curious when someone recommends a program, a movie or anything, how do they sell you on it? Uh, Well, it was my daughter, actually. And she and I have got very similar tastes. She knows very well the sort of thing I I will like. Um, Because I live in France uh, and French television (laughs) uh, leads a lot to be desired. Um, (laughs) Uh, so yes, it's it's always lovely to have a recommendation, and so I started watching it on Netflix. I think, mm-hmm. I think I did probably. Um, and then when I I came to the UK for a visit because I think I must have been doing something convention or something. So I we went back to the beginning, Charlie and I, and then we watched the entire thing over a period of a few days. Weeping. I mm-hmm. mean, loving, just loving the performances. Just, just so clever, so clever. That is my favourite thing. And then I love dramas like mm-hmm. Line of Duty, which you sure. may or may not know. Oh, yeah, that was wonderful too. I mean, that was a great talking point in the UK. Who, 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 who was it? Who right. was? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a that's good. anything that's. Quality, really, and I think it comes from the writing. Mm-hmm. 
anything like that I love. I'm, I don't watch a lot of films okay. when I'm on my own, um, but I do love going to the cinema. Mm. I did go to the cinema very recently and saw Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. What did you think of that? I did. I thought it was awful. <laughs> I just thought... It, I knew what it was about. I just thought that, that each scene was really good, mm-hmm. nicely acted, looked great, but I don't think any scene went together. And I think you had to really suspend belief. You... It didn't make any sense to me. It was just all a bit far-fetched. And I know it's a, a, a classic because I think it was made with somebody like Omar Sharif and somebody else back in the day. I, I do know it's been a remake. And, yeah, and, and, yeah. But you're not the only person who has said the exact same thing oh, really? about the film. Oh, that's really yeah, interesting. That, it, it, it's like the the scenes are better than the kind of the, the, the entirety the, of the, the project. Whole, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard some disappointment about that one, which is always a shame, right? Because if you're going to go to the cinema... Yeah, you, you, know, want, you want to enjoy it. But that's, that's kind of one of the things... We, we talk about television so much on the podcast because it's, it's so readily available now. Because there's something for everybody. And you, you could, if you wanted, just sit on your couch and watch anything. Movies, television, it's all right there. Absolutely. And, and there's too... In my opinion, there's too much of it because I, I could watch it from now... I have a list that I know I'm never going to get to, ever, ever. And so that's why I find it so fascinating because, you know, when we have a guest on our podcast, Doctor Who, we bring Doctor Who guests. We do talk about people's relationship with Doctor Who, but we also know it's not the end-all and be-all. So, like, there's something like, especially someone who's been a part of the program, you know, certainly there's got to be stuff that you, you love. Yeah. Now, I'm, one of the other big yes. series that is one of my favorites was West Wing. Yes. And I've watched that, the entire series, twice, I think. Mm-hmm. I just love that. I want Aaron Sorkin to come to the UK and write about the UK's political situation at the moment. Oh, my goodness. It, my, oh, my God, he would do an amazing job. I mean, we have seem to have a new prime minister every two weeks at the moment. It is chaos, utter chaos. But I'd love him to come and, <laughs> and write something about that. I mean, there's is there a... I, I, I'm sure there probably is. It depends on what you like, but his dialogue is is amazing. Incredible and the characters, the way they flow. They have there's an assuredness mm. to a Sorkin character, yeah. and I and I know that like you know you can show a scene from a Sorkin program, and you're like, I know exactly who wrote that. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. true. That's yeah. absolutely true. Yeah. No, it's it's good. I mean, there there's people out there. Um, do you? And we'll wrap this up really quickly because uh, I I know you're tired, and so. Do you watch television before bed? Yes, I do. And do you do it but, to, but that's to about the only time I watch television because okay. I don't watch TV in the day. Okay. And I live alone, me, me and my dog, and it would be very easy to fall into that trap of turning the television on in the morning right? and then not moving. I mean, sometimes if it's a very wet, cold Sunday afternoon, I might turn the TV on. But other than that, I only ever watch television in the evening. We sometimes will watch it just to unwind in the evening. And you yeah. know, so sometimes a drama isn't going to be the last thing you want to see before bed. So. No, well, I don't mind that. I, yeah. I don't get scared by those things. I don't mind that. But I, I can't. I just, reality TV just does not do it for me. No cooking and shows, s- no traveling shows. I hate cooking shows because I can't cook. And <laughs> I, I hate cooking shows. Travel shows, not really. No. It's it's usually a drama. It's usually a drama mm-hmm. if I can, and and the odd comedies. 
Right. Well, you know, hopefully this convention hasn't been too dramatic. <laughs> it really and it hasn't certainly been has been an odd comedy. So, Wendy Pepper, thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. Okay, so coming up next, you had an interview with someone from the Modern series. Who was that? Yeah, so um, Bav Pramar. Um, this was one of those unexpected treats from the con. You know, you get someone here who, who has been on the new show. They haven't really spent a lot of time going to conventions as we talk about. We sat down. I'm, I get nervous with newer guests than I do with classic folks. I, I, didn't, I didn't start off, you know, I, I, as a classic fan. Um, and I wasn't sure what it was going to be like. We got the chatting. It was a really pleasant experience. Uh, and someone who I think could potentially be like really friendly in the future, too. So I, I thought she was an absolute delight. Um, of course, she played um, Yaz's sister on the program. So she was in quite a few episodes. Um, and yeah, we had a really good conversation about Doctor Who, what it's like to be new to the program, what it's like to go to conventions, and yeah, the show. And what she's watching on TV, of course. And here she is. So we are here. Uh, it's 2022. It's Long Island Who, uh, Meg Loss. And I'm with Bav. Bav, how are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, this is really exciting. I feel like this is uh, re-energizing my fandom. Uh, it's really nice to see all these people. Some of yeah. these folks are old friends, but you're a new friend. I haven't met you before. Yes. I'm very curious. What do you think about this convention so far? I, I honestly, it's first time in New York. Okay. First time at this convention, and I've loved every minute of it. Everybody has been so welcoming, so warm, um, had some great conversations, and just, yeah, just kind of dove right in and feel like part of the family. So, yeah, it's been really great. How many conventions have you been to so far? I mean, a rough estimate. Have you been to a lot? I think it's been, I think this is my fifth. I want to say my fifth. Yes, I think it's my fifth. So, but it's my third outside of the UK. That's really impressive. So you yeah, went to Gallifrey, right? I went to Gallifrey, and then I had um, a little bit of time at Time Lash as well in Germany. So that was my other one outside wow. of the UK. And then this is my third one outside of the UK. So yeah. Prior to your experience with Doctor Who, mm -hmm. had you done anything that had like a supplemental convention? Like like any project where it's like, suddenly, yeah, now we're going to do something outside of the actual filming of it. I don't think so. Not Definitely not to this scale. Mm -hmm. um, I know that I've worked on some films and stuff where, you know, you've had the kind of behind the scenes and you've had some press stuff and, you know, you've, 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 you're, you've kind of re-met up with the team and, and done some, you know, screenings and things like that, but nothing of this nature. No, nothing with this kind of fan following for sure. So, Well, let's talk about that fan following. Um, and I'm sure this is a question that you've been asked many, many times, but mm -hmm. prior to your being cast in the role, were you a fan of Doctor Who? Yes, I was. So, for example, um, I had seen, um, I'd say, a good handful of the episodes, mm -hmm. um, especially kind of David Tennant era. Um, but I wasn't, say, like a kind of a super fan, if that's if that's a term I can use. I like, certainly think we, we can you know, do that. We, yeah, you know, there's levels of fandom, right? And I was, I was, a, I, I watched, but I didn't. I wasn't like so kind of invested in it but once I was cast I think I fell in love with everything in a different way because I saw everything from a different way I saw it from a perspective of an actor and the character and I was able to kind of I wanted to understand the world that would help my character if that makes sense so I think I started watching from a different perspective but it was yeah it was always something that that was kind of on in the house but yeah not a not not kind of the level of fandom I think that you know these um that, that we're seeing here at LI. As an actor, how do you research 
apart, which is, you know, you're a supporting character, you're an amazing character, everyone's a, like a beloved character, but it's very different from someone who is going to be traveling with the doctor and engaging with the, the this weirdness. So how do you, as an actor, kind of research that role? I feel like the research process for like every character I've ever done has been very different. Mm -hmm. And that's because that's either the style of the show or... The, what the character requires or, you know, the environment or whatnot. But I think for this character, for Sonia, like, I fell right in. Like, a lot of the stuff that she shows in, in the show itself, like, I have elements of that, like the sarcasm and the kind of, you know, the funny kind of banter and the relationship she has with the dad. And, like, it's all those small things. And I think it, it felt very natural to me. I almost didn't have to do so much research for this. My research was more just enjoying watching the show to get an understanding of the environment and the feeling of, you know, and even just watching. I, I actually watched back a lot of Jodie's work mm -hmm. when I was, when I was um, you know, preparing for the role. And that was more because I just wanted to understand, like, how they work you know because actually a lot of it is about how you all are together on set and bringing out you know each of your kind of characteristics and, and fun and stuff so yeah so that that was kind of my research for this that's brilliant um it's do you have siblings yourself because you, you you make a very convincing sibling i do i am i am the youngest um of i have an older brother and an older sister so my sister's the oldest and then there's my brother and then there's me so yeah, I'm, and I'm from a family who have, like, I have a lot of cousins, you mm. know, my, my mum's side is quite big, um, and now, like, my husband's side is quite big, so we have, like, so many kind of cousins, and we have very much this kind of sibling feel across both sides of the family, so I've always been kind of brought up with that around me, like, having that family kind of um, unit or whatnot, um, and then having, and, like, my, my brother, for example, is he, he banters a lot with me and I get a lot of that from him and with my sister it's like you know um we have that kind of loving kind of relationship like kind of what you see between Sonia and Yaz where it's kind of like they'll say things at each other that poke at each other but realistically you know or really underneath all of that they've got this kind of you know bond with each other so there's yeah there was all that that I could bring to it as well so yeah did you get a chance to hang out with Mindy Gill um before recording so like kind of meet each other and hang out and do anything like that? I didn't. Like, um, well, I feel like not as much as we would have liked, really, mm -hmm. to be honest, because obviously, as you know, with shooting and stuff, the schedules right. are tight, so you have to make sure that, you know, things are done. Um, but I knew of Manip, I knew of her work, mm -hmm. um, and I clicked with her really well. Like, uh, before I did my first... Um, my first scene, I believe, I had, I was called in a little bit earlier, so I had like a couple of hours to settle in and stuff. And I remember like we were crossing paths then and we were talking and stuff. And, um, but yeah, you don't get that luxury of always kind of meeting. But I think we clicked really well. Like there was an element of fun that we both kind of brought to what we were doing. So yeah, we just, it just felt very natural. Well, there's a friendly antagonism, right? That, that you know, I'm, I'm the same way with my siblings, mm, uh, mm, certainly. Mm. So imagining, like, knowing that you have family and knowing that that's sort of what the part entails. And I can imagine that it's kind of fun to jump into that. Yeah. Because it's got to be a part. It's kind of delicious to, to play. So it's not over yeah. overly serious. And it's, yeah. That's what's great about it because... Um, and the writing itself brought out the kind of reality of what would actually mm -hmm. happen with siblings, you know. Um, there was a, there were a lot of times where, you know, say cut, we cut and then we have like a little chat and then we're back into it. And those little chats in between really like, you know, we're talking about normal life and I'm getting I'm, no guarantee or, or guaranteed, sorry, that that would have helped with what was going on on screen. And I, I think we had 
that was what was great about the shooting actually there wasn't like a a cut and action and everything in between was quite dry it was there was always momentum on set mm. and that momentum always was driving i think into the into the action itself so that's coming either from mandip jody even the directors people who were you know helping out on set from everybody so that momentum's always there and that kind of drive to have the energy and and bring all of that kind of passion into into each scene was was always there so yeah i've asked this through a lot of actors and i always get a very different response do you watch your own episodes a funny funny story about the first time i saw myself and um if my husband was here he would definitely um he would definitely tell you the same as well i was like this is the first time i'm seeing myself on something this big on tv and imagine you're seeing yourself on this big screen and i was like hiding behind the door i was a bit like oh do i want to see this do i not because you ha- you have a vision of how you filmed everything right. and then you're going to see it of how the vision was kind of like you know i guess how it all kind of came about after editing but i think after you break past that first thing and you're like oh this is actually great you start celebrating you know the work and every every episode after that i was just like yeah great yeah i'm going to i'm going to give it a watch and i guess as an actor, you always have a critical eye in the back mm-hmm. of your head as well. Everyone else is watching it, your mom, your dad, whoever it might be. They're all watching it with like such kind of like, oh, I'm so proud. But then you also have your own critical eye where you'll be like, right, next time I think I'll choose to do this. Next time I'd like to do this, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, but it was it was daunting to begin with. Now I've embraced it. So I, I can see it being a learning experience because you, you were seeing yourself from the camera. But I also know a lot of actors who are like, well, I don't I don't ever watch my stuff. I do so much work that I... I go do it and then I move on and then, you know. I, I think I used to, I mean, I've I've not had as many years as some people who are, say, like that. But I think for me, like you said, it's it kind of became a process for me because mm-hmm. I think when you watch yourself back with the right kind of eye, um, and I had a tutor actually at drama school who said this, he was from, he was from New York actually, and he did say this, he said, um, the best thing that you can do is... Um, embrace that because you're going to have to it's part of the learning process and I, I think that's what I took away from that I was like well if I watch myself I know I can kind of match the feeling that I had to how it kind of translate on screen and there's no better way of doing that like actually going this is how I did it and this is how it translated so for me I, I just embraced it and then I yeah I did it and, and, I, and, and, and I think you it is something you have to kind of get to learn if that makes sense so so um, I, this is another question I'm sure you've been asked before, but um, were you to be approached to reenact this character again, say, for another series of televi- television or perhaps Big Finish audios? Is that something that you would jump at the chance to do? I think I would because this character was very special to me, obviously being my, one of my first bigger roles on TV, but also because I feel like there's so much more to explore about the character. And again, you know, with the writing and, and you know, with the way that the, the, the programs are structured, sometimes you don't have the time to do that. And I think it's nice that it would be really nice to see her relationship, you know, deeper relationship that she would have with Yaz, maybe even the deeper relationship she'd have with her parents. Um, we used to joke on set a little bit sometimes that, you know, Sonia might have had like a backstory where she has like this business that she's like actually running in the background. And, you know, she, when she's on her phone, she's not really just on her phone, you know, like, and it is, you know, there's an, there's an exploration about all these unturned stones that could be anything. And I think that's what's great about Doctor Who. And I think that's what's great about this character as well. And even the whole family unit in itself, there's a lot you could explore. And I think a lot of people really embraced the family. There was a lot of, there was a, there was a really great dynamic with us on set. And I think, um, yeah, I think there's always a lot more to explore. So, yeah. It comes through. The dynamic comes through very well. And, it, and, and that was something that with modern Doctor Who, it is 
very much about the companions families like i love the way they did more with the companions family and it didn't feel i think i was having a conversation with someone and it didn't feel like very um what's the word i'm looking for like static Mm -hmm. when they were going from you know doctor to companions family like it felt like it really weaved really Mm -hmm. well together um and yeah i think they did it really beautifully and i think yeah again if we had more time or more episodes we would have you know explored a lot more so yeah and just from personal experience, I think one of my favorite aspects of the new show is the Doctor's interactions with the Companions' families. Yeah. Because I think they're yeah. always very good. I, there's something about the idea of taking somebody through time and space, that there is an inherent danger, and it makes that time that we spend with the Companions' families that much more precious. Mm, mm, right? Mm, because mm. who knows if we're going to do that again. I think there's a couple of really good points there and and yeah, definitely agree with what you said and I think it's nice because I guess I can only talk from the the cans. Right. But um it's it was lovely to see I think you saw something in Yaz when you when she was then back with the doctor that you wouldn't have seen if she hadn't explored all the things that she had going on with her mom and her sister and her dad like it brings something to the character mm-hmm. like another level. Um and I also think with the idea like I remember the scene where Jodie was with the Khans, you know, and she was looking through all the rubbish and she was... And it was great because I think the the, the audience can see the Doctor kind of evolving through, you know, her exploration, her curiosity, and it all came out like as a... Okay, you know, and, and it was this kind of like back and forth where you were like, oh, what's going to what's gonna happen now? And I think that kind of excitement that was built by weaving the two worlds together, I think it, would, it played really nicely. I definitely do. I agree. I absolutely agree. One of the things that we do on our podcast mm-hmm. is when we have a guest on, we know that Doctor Who is not the end all and be all of their fandoms. We, we, we bring Doctor Who guests on to talk Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. But we also know that there's other television shows out there that they enjoy. What is a television show that... Do you watch TV? I do. I do. I do. I is watch a lot of TV. Is there something yeah. that you're watching right now that you're really invested in? Uh, right now. So one of, the, one of the shows that I love, which obviously has finished, but um, that I watch a lot is Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of... Like the characters in that are fantastic. I love the storyline. I love the jokes. It's very much my sense of humor. Um, and as you can tell, me talking about banter and humor, comedy is like well up my street. So I love, I love British comedy. I love anything from Ricky Gervais. Mm-hmm. Um, I love watching, uh, I watch, I like, I watch a lot of stand-up. Mm-hmm. Um, I love watching stand-up because I really admire stand-up comedians. I think they are a whole different bundle of talent. So I do love, um, I just I love like googling and watching and YouTubing. So maybe not like traditional TV, but sure. I will watch something that will be like, and then I'll fall down a wormhole or say like a particular comedian and be like, oh my god, they've done so much more work. I do love doing that. Um, another show that um, I was watching again has finished was This Is Us. I mm-hmm. um, and we I'm, just did an episode about this. We had a guest on. I think specifically that hit, talked about that. Every single episode, I felt hit like. They hit so much stuff. Like they were, they really captured what family and siblings really means. And like, obviously, being one of three myself, like, there's so much you can relate to. Um, and even just the outside world of everything, like that they covered. Um, so that was a great show. Um, I do love watching things like The Hobbit. I do love watching things like, you know, um, I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Harry Potter. I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Um, what so house are you in? I. So when I did that, we did a funny, funny thing with my niece. I did a little like funny draw. Uh, uh-huh. I, 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 I was drawn as Gryffindor, so I was happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very much House Hufflepuff. I was going to say Hufflepuff would be probably my second choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be uh, upset with that. Um, they have the but, best snacks, and I think that's 
really important. Oh my God, don't talk to me about snacks. Snacks is like a big thing in our house. I feel like we have too many drawers that are dedicated to snacks and not enough cutlery. But yes, that's a whole different story. Okay, you're getting, you're getting ready to sit down because uh, I know your time is limited. We'll, yes. we'll end here, but you're getting ready to sit down to watch whatever television show is and you are preparing a snack to watch TV. What is your snack of choice for, uh, snack for of an choice. evening of television? So, okay, I'll give you two because I'll have a savory snack and say let's have a sweet snack. So a savory snack would definitely have to be popcorn, mm -hmm. but it would have to be like something fun. Like I tried, um, one of my friends has a popcorn company, and I think I tried orange and something like orange no it was an orange and mint it was like a it was like an orange toffee or something mm -hmm. brilliant so, I, I, so I'm thinking popcorn um, and as a well that's actually kind of sweet I've just it made is. my savory sweet haven't I but if you're going for a full on sweet snack I'm like a massive like biscuit fan so okay. any like array of chocolate biscuits and dark chocolate I'm for it do you have a, do you have a favourite biscuit um, yes, it would have to probably be... Actually, um, I don't think I have a favourite brisket. If you go with, like, go-to chocolate digestive, okay. that's, like, a perfect, you know, perfect thing. But if you sat me down with a bar of 70% cocoa chocolate, I'm happy. I'm well, happy. I'm happy that you spent some time with us. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> no us. No worries. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And, um, yeah, I can't, can't wait to do more here. So the next interview we have coming up, you met a couple of filmmakers yeah who we have heard of before <laughs> and who just put out a documentary on doctor who and it just picked up distribution and you got to talk to both of them yeah absolutely um now this is like the third time i've i've gotten a chance to talk with matthew jacobs in fact the um the the crowdfunding I was about to say Kickstarter as a verb, and it's, you know, I have to make sure we don't do that because it wasn't on Kickstarter. I think it was on uh, GoFundMe or Indiegogo or something like that. doesn't matter. It was like seven years ago. But, um, you know, Matthew Jacobs is – we both have discussed the fact that I came to Doctor Who via the TV movie. So to be able to sit down and discuss what it's like creating that with the writer of the TV movie is really interesting. And that's sort of, from what I hear – the crux of this documentary is sort of coming to terms with the fact that Matthew has essentially been avoiding fandom because of all the negativity, because let's face it, uh, all fandom is toxic at some point in time. And uh, so this is sort of a, a one, it's not, it's not just about the fans, but it's really is about the fans, but it's also uh, his coming to terms with fandom uh, and being reaccepted into the community. And, we arrived late to the convention and they had already begun screening this. And so we couldn't go back in. So we were setting up our displays, but we could just hear cheers and laughter. And everyone who came out of it just talked about how great it was the entire weekend, uh, which hurt a little, I got to say, because I was really looking <laughs> forward to seeing it. But oh, well, um, it it has reached distribution. We are going to get it in the United States. It will be street, uh, I think, Dreaming or on um, physical media in 2023. We discussed this a little bit in the interview. And I will say, too, um, I made a real beginner's faux pas uh, during this. I was recording uh, off of my computer, and the computer was not plugged into a power source. It didn't lose power, but it went into sleep mode. And when I clicked on the screen to bring it back so I could see it, I accidentally hit stop. So um, <laughs> didn't realize that. So there's a fantastic ending where both Vanessa and Matthew are like really discussing how great it is to interact with the fans on social media and are inviting fans to come and find them. Uh, and all of that completely removed. So assuming that Twitter still exists, um, 
by the time this comes out, you can find them at DOC uh, WHO AMI. So Doc Who Am I? And they really actively ask people to like have conversations, but they really focus on positivity. So, you know, if you don't like something about it, you know, yeah, be nice, be nice, you know, um, but no, they're, they're incredibly delightful people. And really, um, I got to say like everyone who I interviewed sort of became the highlights of my, my convention. I really got that. Just being able to spend time with these folks was really great. Uh, and I'm going to shut up now so you can listen to them talk. It's 2022, and we're at Megalos in Long Island, and I am here to discuss Who Am I with Matthew and Vanessa. Matthew and Vanessa, welcome to Who and Company. Hello, hello. Hey there. Good morning. Yeah. So, calm so far? Enjoying it? Oh, it's great. I'm, it's, it's incredible to see so many people and fans turning out. I think Ken Deep is, has done a, a wonderful job. So we're having a great time. It's wonderful. It's like, well, it's it's like it's come back to life. I mean, I think it collapsed in the past couple of years. It was very very quiet here, um, and now it's like the last time we were here was like two thousand sixteen, big thing, and now it's back in a smaller hotel, but it's just as packed. It's just as active. And that's where we met the first time. You know, like it's twenty sixteen is at whatever li it was. You were. You just made the announcement. You had like just made the announcement, and we're starting to film. But what exactly? What is it that you were filming? Uh, let's talk about who am I, uh, because you premiered the film, the finished product. Was seven and a half years? Is that seven and a half we years? Started filming Doctor Who Am I? Doctor, and- sorry, yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's okay. Um, we started filming in 2015. So um, that yeah. was the first time we met you. I think, yes, was at the twenty fifteen, and That's then I met you right. again at twenty sixteen. So so it's been it's been going for a while. Yeah, it was back then. That was when we started, and then we premiered it at Sci Fi London um, in May of this year. So it took a while. Yeah. When we were filming, we act, we didn't know what exactly we were filming, but it was just uh, learning about the American Doctor Who fan and. Who was the doctor and them, and what did they love about this character that they wanted to emulate? We, were, we had a, a bunch of questions we were asking at the time, which is very much directed towards the fans, and then slowly sticking Matt in front of the camera, too, so <laughs> yeah. he can interact with them. Well, I think you do that mainly because I'm just not a very good um, interviewer. I'm the, I have more of a conversation, um, and so instead of, you know, the the way one should interview, you know, and on, on films like this is you ask a leading question and then you listen and then the person stops talking and you still listen and then they say the thing that's really good. <laughs> My problem was was I would be interviewing and I'd ask a question, they'd say something, I'd go, oh, that's really interesting, let's talk about that. You know, and it was, so Vanessa very wisely said, oh, um, why don't you get in front of the camera? And that made a big difference, I think. Well, yeah, I wanted yeah. you in front of the yeah. camera. <laughs> Listen, as, as your interview style is the same as mine, I, I like it because sometimes you're like, okay, we're definitely going to be talking about this today. And then someone mentions something that is so fascinating that you go off on that tangent and you pull off something that no other interview gets. You know, And right. I, I find sometimes like the best interviews come from that. But you had a purpose, and that's the important thing. Now, we have had panels and, and discussions about the, the origin. But for those 
listeners who were not available to come to this convention, can you just tell me like, really briefly, what was the impetus and the creation of this? Or how did it get started, this project? Well, well, I think it was, um, I've said it before, it's like this is a, you know, movies, some movies are sort of born out of ambition or born out of an artistic objective that's very specific. Ours was really born of friendship. Uh, we'd worked together on two previous movies, Your Good Friend and Bar America, um, and we were meeting up. Uh, we were just meeting up for coffee, catching up. And well, it was around the 50th, too, yeah. and you were getting invited to conventions. And, um, yeah, I guess it, I had no idea that Matthew had written uh, Doctor Who, and that just blew my mind completely. I, I, yeah, I'm a terrible friend. I guess I didn't look at his IMDb. <laughs> but he never talked about it. And um, I remembered Doctor Who from childhood when my dad would watch We would watch it on PBS. And um, he, he had just sort of a... He passed away, so we were catching up on that sort of subject. And it was... So, it, so we were coming together as a friend talking about that and then you were making me laugh hysterically. Oh, because it was I'd been invited to some very sketchy conventions. Um, but not Long Island. Not Long, not, Island. not Long Island. Um, well, I'd been invited to one sketchy convention and it had gotten all over the internet. Um, and But I was... When I described the situation that I'd be going to sort of Jacksonville with alligators, Doctor Who fans, Doctor Muppet, all of this, thing, this, and that, I, I was saying I'm not going. Was, no, this is not. This is not something I'm interested in. And uh, and Vanessa said was saying, well, you know, that's actually a good subject for a documentary because you don't want to go. And so that and then oh yes, that's a good idea. Um, we could call and I straight away said we could call it Doctor Who Am I because. That is the thing that really sits behind the TV movie right. and sits behind, you know, a lot of things, questions of identity, sit, sit behind a lot of life in general. So it seemed like a good title. Um, it's a brilliant and, title. It's and, a perfect yeah, title. And, well, it, and then also you had talked about your father and your interaction yeah. with Doctor Who, and so it was just a very rich story waiting to be told. Yeah. So it took a little while. We went and filmed at Gallifrey that February in in two thousand and fifteen. And anybody who comes and sees the you know the movie or eventually gets it on on whatever Blu-ray and DVD. The first thing you're going to notice if you're a true Hoovian who attends Galley is the carpet. <laughs> the carpets are <laughs> gone. And and and, 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 and uh, it's it's a little window of time, two thousand and fifteen February then. In the summer, we were visiting fans, and then in the fall, we were coming out here to Long Island, too. And that was just as big and just as fantastic. Well, I mean, it was born out of this friendship and love of filmmaking. We just Mm -hmm. were sort of like very cavalier, like, yeah, we'll just go out and we'll just shoot a documentary. We'll be done in a year. And there you go, on to the next project. And little did we know that documentary filmmaking takes a long time. <laughs> and then there you go, fast forward in seven and a half years. and Yeah, I mean, you can spend a year almost clearing on something like this because it's a, it's a complex IP. Um, you can spend a year clearing the uh, fair use aspects of it. Right, of course. Alone with, with, with lawyers and, and all of that. Because at the end of the day, it's not really about the show. The, 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 the movie isn't really 
about the making of the TV movie. Right. Um, it's 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 about my journey back to this world, to this fandom, which and realizing, and my journey going from being a really not a fan uh, when I started it to or thinking I wasn't a fan, and then toward the end, you I realize it's a journey of redemption. You know, so so it's a kind of a feel good movie in that respect. And it should um, be. Because it's about fandom, and that's the thing. It's like, this is a thing that people love. But at the same time, fans are also known to love to hate things as well. So, yeah. you know, they can be very vocal about their opinions. Uh, and some of those are good and some of those are bad. Vanessa, you don't know this story. I know I've told it to Matthew many times. But um, I hadn't watched Doctor Who until the 1996 movie. Like, that's my foray into Like, uh, the reason I am at this convention talking to you now is one night I saw this advertisement for this the show on television, and I watched it and taped it. I had a VHS copy of it until the thing broke, but I had no concept of the history of Doctor Who. Uh, and like after watching that, I went and got books. So you know, David Howe is a as a guest at this convention as well. Um, I I got his book, wow. uh, and Susan Walker, and then I I got it, reading into it, and then there was nothing to watch. There was no video stores had it. There's no such thing as streaming at the time. It wasn't until 2005 when the show came back, but like. You know, uh, for however many years, Paul McGann was my doctor, and uh, like, I am one of those fans who who has you know your work has had a positive impact on my life. So like, thank That's you good. again. Well, wow. Thank you. Well, and what was it then? What was it about the TV movie that drew you in? Nothing like it had ever been seen on American television. Are you kidding me? But I also didn't know like the things that fans may or may not complain about. I don't know about them. You know, right. like to me, it was great. It was fantastic. You know, and like I have friends now who have been in the movie and have written the movie, right. and it's like it's it's such an it, it's about like like I have formed friendships because of that, and that's uh, again they, yeah, I think that's the key kind of yeah. the, the, cool. the thing. But the, the the documentary itself is you know it what and the, sorry yeah. the tagline for those who haven't seen it yet. What is the tagline? The tagline is Doctor Who Am I a family that's bigger on the inside? Right. So, yeah. Like yeah. perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. It's a it it came together nicely. At the end of the day, it's these things sometimes just take time, um, and and it's I think it's an object lesson in perseverance and not giving up and keeping going at it when everybody says oh, there's no audience for this, um, but there is because oh we yeah, yeah we knew yeah we, we had to just keep going along as we were trying to get like completion funds or whatever else it was just it was an uphill battle it seemed but we just knew the project had. A soul, and we just had to keep on, keep on, keep on going. Right. Just, just keep on going. <laughs> well, you've premiered it um, a couple of times, so, so talk, yeah. talk to me a little bit about um, the fan reaction to the finished product. That's I, been wonderful. I think it's fairly consistent, which is interesting, both here and in the UK. The laughs come in a slightly different way. The moments where, because there's a moment in the middle of the movie where the movie jackknifes and you go, oh, okay, this is about more than fandom. This is about something else. You or know? like how personal yeah. fandom well, can be. Exactly. You know, this this is, this is, so it sort of jackknifes into a kind of a more engaging story from the middle onwards. And I think both audiences in, in the UK from... And in Australia, it played a documentary, uh, Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, uh, and it was online there for a month, um, uh, in 
people could, you know, it was for a specific amount of streams. And it, and it really got great reactions there as well. So we knew in Britain, the UK, and Britain was getting great reactions at the festivals. And at that point, because I just go, oh yeah, um, they just, the, the dialect movies had just come out in the UK. Um, and uh, they realized there was a cinema audience. Right. So we got that very rare thing that happens not very often these days where we went to a festival and a sales agent slash distributor picked it up and said, we want to take it for UK distribution and world sales. And they've, they've done a very good job, I think. Yeah, I, I, I guess just like the fan reaction, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's so heartwarming, validating, um, it's for the fans and the fact that they are connecting with it is just like, oh yeah. This is this is just what we wanted. What a relief, you know. Get emotional about it. It's just like yes, thank. You. I'm just so happy. We're both so happy that people get to see it. And the screaming here was just awesome. awesome. Yeah, it was because because everybody was going. We were here. We are at Long Island. Who with you know like the little backdrop that's up there on the stage, and there's the film, and it's at Long Island. Who um, with the backdrop up on the stage in the film, right, 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 um, right. Uh, and the same people kind of. Looking at so obviously there was an interest. People were engaged because it was like it was slightly more than the home movie, um, but it had that home movie kind of um, wow. This is something that we did. Um, yeah, feeling to the screen. They have an the investment, and that's the thing. What fans love is is an investment in something that they they care about, and there's nothing more fan loves than when that investment pays like pays back like yeah. like uh, recognizes that sort of. Uh, recursiveness. Yeah, and this is, is a cool. film that's obviously being seen all, or by all the UK fandom who are very interested in what's going on here. That's true, yeah. A lot of the folks um, that I talk to in the UK or in other countries ask about, you know, American fandom. It's like, what is it like? Uh, and they get a, now I get a really good opportunity to do so. And that's really a focus on that. And do you think at some point in time you would maybe go to other countries and, and film... Not, you know, you're clear your film is finished. I'm just yes. saying, like, <laughs> is there a future for other types of fandoms or, or like, taking your eye, uh, maybe a different story of what that same subject might mean somewhere else? Possibly. Never, yeah, say, never say never. never. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, it's, uh, now there are more, more feature films being made about um, fandom in general. Right. Um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, the, the tradition is is that, oh, if you're making a thing about a TV show, then it's got to be about the TV show. In which case, the BBC should have made this. With, right, but, of course. But, but, but uh, if you're, or if you're making a film, a film about Dande Lewis or, you know, these, some great actor, something like that, then that's going to feed your, your audience. But to make a film about of not famous people, not, I mean, me, not famous, not, 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 <laughs> not, not, not Paul, um, but make a film about us, you know, as documentary filmmakers and our and a perspective on it, is more of an essay film. Do you know what I mean? It's more of no, a yeah. and there's a lot more of those films being made these days, even in, you know, children's entertainment with Marcel the Shell with the shoes on is a documentary, even though it's stop motion. Do you know what I mean? It's it, that language is being yeah taught right the way across the board now, the language of a documentary. Yeah, I think that's that's brilliant. And it just from as far as the premiere, which I sadly wasn't able to attend, but I was on the other side of the wall 
and it just listening to the cheers. I mean, it's not just laughter. Laughter is great, but <laughs> cheers uh, throughout. And you know, it's Doctor Who's a show about time travel, or technically yeah. is a show about time travel. And in many ways, the fact that you filmed over a period of time, like when we get to see it now, it is a it is sort of like a, a snippet to the past because I I think I have somewhere photos of you interviewing Paul uh, in the yard. You know, oh, like, really? And so, like, there's, like, there's, you oh, know, yes. you can't tell what's happening. If there's, like, two people, there's a camera, and there's Paul, and there's trees in the background. Like, I, I oh, have wow. this. So it's, like, there's, like, this idea where I have a photo of you filming, and that film is now on a documentary, but it's, like, in, encompassed with, like, it, like almost like a puzzle that pieces together, and he steps out. You can step back and step back and step back with it. Do you it. still have that photo? You I know. You can put it up on the, on the website. If I this. do, I will find it. Yeah, and put it up there if it's decent. Put it up there. <laughs> if it's decent. <laughs> I'm not hitting you. You're saying I do no, no more indecent photos on the website. All right, fine. I, get I understand. All right. Well, uh, so for those who didn't come to these conventions and didn't get a chance to see it, when will it be available for the public to to take a look at it? Well, it's available um, in the UK on the 28th of November. You can get it on Blu-ray and DVD. You can get it on Amazon, uh, but that's Region 2. Right. But then since we've been picked up for uh, U.S. distribution, uh, prelim- we believe March is okay. going to be a theatrical release, so then... That was what was announced. That yeah. that was an announced, but we're gonna find out in the next couple <laughs> weeks. I think of uh, their their plan. Yeah. Um, so at this point, twenty twenty three, perhaps the spring, American audiences yeah. will be able to see That's it. That's pretty exciting, and hopefully in theaters. Um, yes. And and then with a and then with a uh, you know digital release that happens later in the year. So and and also I think you know. We have dreams of it playing as a double bill with the TV movie, but that might be incredibly hard to organize. But if we could do that, then it's something that could pop up through the year in different places yeah. so that Doctor Who fans can go and celebrate their fandom in, you know, in a cinema context, which is what we found has been beautiful in the UK. It was out in like 20 cinemas, and fans were able to exchange thoughts with each other online afterwards. and. So and then so it's more than just you know a little extra that's that's sort of tacked on there. Oh, and that's the thing too. Um, the the idea of being able to watch that film, uh, both of those films, with a group, which right. is the way it should yes, be done. Yes. To be able to see that in cinema it seems amazing. Um, you know, we do have listeners from all over the world on the podcast, so you know this is just a call out to them. When you when you do eventually see it, you know, make sure you find them on social media and let them know what you think. You know, definitely post group photos, like anything that that you find is appropriate for that. I I think I I like that there's going to be a discourse online about fandom by fandom. Like, you know, again, it's that taking that step and going back and back and back and seeing that it's a much larger picture, like that puzzle that fits together. And very much focus on the positive aspects of of fandom. I mean... That's the thing. There, we we've heard people say, "Oh, it could get pretty." You know, we touch on it with the toxicity, I suppose, of like yeah. why Matthew took a step back. But right. But but in, in general, we do focus on why the positives and embracing fandom and the family that you get from it and the community, um, which I think is a good thing to help people reflect, like what brought them to this show that they loved so much in the first place. I just have to say that. I think if it weren't for Matthew Jacobs, 
it would have been much harder for RTD to bring Doctor Who back in 2005. I think he built a little bit of a bridge there. I agree. Between the old series and the modern, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, if you look at Doctor Who, it, it just based on the scripts and what's happening, and you didn't know anything about the gaps between, uh, you know, the original show ending and the TV movie and then the new show coming back, it really just feels like it, it kind of flows pretty naturally. I mean, you know, the, the main regret from it is that we just don't have as much Paul McGann as we should. We deserve more. We still do, yes. We do. Well, for the final interview, we have a returning guest to Who and Company. Someone who's going to come back and talk about her love of Stranger Things. Who's that, Drew? Oh, it's Sophie Aldred. Um, and it was <laughs> just one of those... Ace. Just Ace, that's it's all. It's just Ace. You know, it's not like we just saw her uh, <laughs> for the finale of Jodie Whittaker. Um, and that was the other thing, too. Just watching Sophie walk around the convention in her Ace jacket... Uh, with a backpack, and then oh, Janet cool. Fielding's running around wearing this jacket that she wore for the uh, Power of the Doctor. Both of them just kind of, you know, casually moving around. Um, uh, I, I should say, <laughs> I guess spoilers from Power of the Doctor. Um, Peter Davison also being at this convention, they made him a new costume for Power of the Doctor, which he wore at the convention for a photo shoot. So I have a picture with me and Peter Davison in costume, which is, I didn't know it was going to happen, wasn't expecting to happen. As soon as they announced it, I was like, yes. And the line for that picture, I got to say, was insane. So many people waiting for uh, down the hallway for that, that the actual fire alarm went off because of all the body (laughs) heat. Um... (laughs) But yeah, the photos that came out of this convention are amazing because you have, you know, you have both returning our returning guest uh, John Davy, um, uh, I think had four different roles in Power of the Doctor. So between um, Peter and Sophie and Janet and Tim and John, you had like five individuals who were a part of that um, finale for Jody, uh, and just taking pictures with both and being really genuinely pleasant with the guests and vice versa. I think the, uh, one of the things I love about this convention is that the fans know that the guests appreciate how chill they are. Uh, <laughs> and so yeah, no, it's, it's like coming home, but, but walking up to Sophie and just going, Sophie, real quick, I'm wondering if we have time for an interview, but before you say yes or no to the interview, I have to ask you, have you watched season four? And she says, yes. And Drew, I really want to talk about it. And I was like, okay. One, she remembered who I was. Uh, So that was pretty amazing. And um, we got to have this interview. It was really lovely. And I got to hang out with her a couple of times um, during the convention. We got to have some dinner together. Um, And it was just, you know, it's so nice to see these people as people uh, and, and recognize that they're human beings and these are our jobs but they still really care about the fans. And so, um, yeah, I mean, what more can I say? Sophie Aldridge came back to talk to us, so here you go. Here it is, Long Island Who 2022, Megalos, and our guest at this moment is a returning guest. This doesn't happen very often on Who and Company, but Sophie Aldridge, welcome back to Who and Company. Thank you so much. I'm back, folks. You are. uh, 2020. 
dumpster fire of a year, but you know, one of the highlights for us was getting you on the show and and chatting about Stranger Things. And I thought this is a perfect opportunity to get back in touch, see how you're doing, mm. and uh, see if perhaps you maybe watched season four of Stranger Things and what you thought. Well, of course I did. Yes, uh, it, I couldn't wait for it to come out actually, um, and. Uh, and I was really intrigued to see what they were going to do next, because obviously the first thing is, of course, that the kids are, are older. And, you know, I think that was one of the things that I loved about season one was obviously that the kids were all so fantastic. Um, and I always love watching kids acting anyway. Um, so, yeah, I was curious to see how it would work now they've all grown up a bit. Um, but I, I overall, I thought it was... Uh, really intriguing. I think the thing that I was a bit concerned about was that they'd gone for the sort of more of a horror angle. They did. Yeah. And I'm not great with horror, I have to say. (laughs) Um, Ace is tough. Sophie is not. So the image of, you know, the twisted limbs, I mean, that's horrible. It's quite funny. My youngest son does a kind of a weird impression of that and it really it's it freaks me out (laughs) so there were quite a few instances where my husband had to just say shut your eyes shut your eyes (laughs) but then I said well look if you tell me to shut my eyes then you need to tell me what's happening but of course if you've ever done that for anybody it's quite busy it's quite difficult because when you're watching something happening um you're kind of watching it rather than wanting to commentate on it. So I would be shutting my eyes like this and I'd be going, okay, well, what's happening then? <laughs> you just hear Tell these, me. the sounds of wet popping and cracking. Yes, horrible, yuck. Yeah, it, it is, it's, it definitely took that turn. I mean, I mm. think season one is pretty scary, but it also kind of falls into the coming of age stories. And yes. we, we, you know, we talked about this, but yeah, season four really got spooky and there's going to be another season. Is there? There I is. I didn't even know that. They, they are saying that there's going to be season five, five and done. And I don't know if it's something that's supposed to happen. And again, I don't work for the company. I don't, what do I know? Mm. But um, just from what I've heard, it's like, you know, It'll probably take another year or two to put together. Maybe they're going to let the kids age a little bit more. Mm. So we'll we'll see what happens. But given that this is news to you, is there something you'd like to see happen? Knowing that the story is going to wrap up, knowing that the kids are going to be even yet older. Yes. What do you? What would you like to see? Anything surprise me? Yeah. I, I, it's funny. I don't. I. I. I don't care. I never know. You know. It's. I think writers on shows like this is so clever um i'd like to have everything wrapped up in a nice neat bow that's what we all want isn't it because life's not really like that um uh so that would be nice but um do you think you want like a happy ending would a happy ending betray the show uh, would something more scary be more appropriate or Mm sci-fi would you like it to end with maybe something a little bit more open so that we have not even though we may never get the answers we need or we may never get a conclusion to it do you like it when a film or a television show kind of leaves you wondering no no (laughs) (laughs) i like a nice happy ending with everything all sewn up at the end (laughs) i know lots of people don't but i don't know i i'm i'm an optimist at heart and uh and I i really believe in uh people and in in kind of that uh 
when the chips are down that people will help each other so yeah i i'd like to i'd like to think that it was all going to end up happily ever after yeah no i think that makes sense too and i think there's a lot of uh younger generation the kids who are are watching the show and kind of have grown up with stranger things a weird thing to say but grown up with stranger things uh these individuals as role models you know certainly they've expanded past the original four boys we have girls we have people of color um it, it does feel like it would be kind of nice that uh, when it ends, the story kind of ends and we're, we're kind of satisfied. And I, that, I think that's perfectly fine. Mm. I would be completely remiss if I had you uh, in a chance to interview you and didn't say, how does it feel to be back on Doctor Who? Oh, it's like a dream come true. It really is. It's, uh, it's the, the, when I got the call, it was like the call that I didn't know I'd been waiting for all these years. And it really was a brilliant exciting fun happy opportunity it was just so great to be on it again can i ask when did how long ago did you get the call how long have you known that you were going to be back on mm, well well over a year from yeah when we we're recording this it, um it was let's see it was probably very beginning of september 21 mm-hmm. and then we it, we went into filming pretty much almost straight away and we filmed in september and beginning of october so yes, it was. It seemed a very long time between then and uh, Easter How of twenty two. <laughs> hard was it for you? Because we 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 you know, that was the kind of the big thing with the penultimate episode. Yes, we got to see the trailer and we got to see that you and Janet were both going to be back. How hard was it to keep that secret? It was really challenging because people obviously at conventions and interviews and things were saying to me, "Oh, you know, do, are you back in the?" But what people missed was they said, are you you going to be back in the 60th anniversary? And of course, then I could completely, without lying or anything, saying, no, I don't think so, because I was in the centenary episode. So that kind of put people off the scent a little bit. That's good. That's nice. Well, I mean, it's such a pleasant surprise. And not only that, but just, you know, again, spoilers for the episode, assuming everyone's um, listening to this has seen it, um, just to see not just both of you return, but have a whole kind of slew of companions. Oh, um, yes. And I know just from the internet and just talking with among other fans, especially at this convention, the main buzz is if they could do that, what else they could do? Mm. Would you come back if they asked you to, to do spin-off, other appearances? Like a shot. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, because there is that line, isn't there, where... Uh, uh, the the um, Kate Stewart says, I may have some work for you or something like that. And I did think to myself, oh, yes, please, please have some work for Ace. <laughs> Do you think that would be your preferred um, role is someone who worked with Unit? It's, it seems like it's really kind of perfect, right? It's mm. Your specialists call in the experts yeah. sort of a thing. Yes, I mean, it looks, doesn't it, from the script that uh, Kate Stewart has been in contact with all of us all this time. And that we've been doing sort of undercover work for units. So that would be a very nice idea, I think. I think that was a really brilliant idea. I really enjoyed it. It was fantastic seeing you on the screen. It's fantastic seeing you now. I'm so happy that you're having a good convention. Uh, It has been really great to see the fans interact with you and and vice versa. Um, You are uh, an exemplar of uh, fandom. So thank you so much for joining us once again. Thank you very much, Drew. And that's it. Four interviews. Um, I, I got to say, you know, it was one of those times in the past 
where I probably would have signed up for nine or 10 interviews and I would have only gotten like five to 10 minutes and I would have been super thrilled by it. Um, and really, the time limit doesn't matter. It's just the fact that we get to chat chat with them um, mm-hmm. is is great. And it's, I think, one of my favorite parts about having a podcast is being able to have a reason to talk to them and like for them to talk <laughs> back. Uh, and I know it's different. We aren't, it's not the same format we normally do, but how can you turn this down? I mean, you're not going to not do an episode where you get to interview four Doctor Who guests. Exactly. So uh, we'll return in December, at the end of December. Um, we won't have a Christmas special to talk about, I'm guessing. The no, there's been no announcement. I don't know if we have a New Year's uh, episode to talk about. Probably not, but who knows the way the BBC <laughs> runs things these days we might not know if we do or not until a week before it actually happens um so that being said uh we'll return in december i'm sure we're gonna have an amazing guest uh maybe maybe we can get eric back on to talk about power of the doctor we'll see i haven't even talked to him about that um (laughs) most importantly brent more than anything else uh by the next time someone you hear my voice i will be done with graduate school so i can have my brain back so there's that yay (laughs) (laughs) no more pulling your hair out because of scheduling Um, mine's gone I know (laughs) as I was saying it I was like well I'll leave it up to him to decide how he wants to react to that Um, so there you go thank you for joining us for these four interviews it's fantastic and you know thank you for joining us in Who and Company Who and Company come for the fandom stay for the company thanks for joining us at Who and Company Special shout out to Pixel Who for providing our logo. They can be found at facebook.com slash pixelwho. Who and Company can be found on iHeartRadio.com and Spotify. Or you can download the show directly from whoandcompany.libsyn.com. Contact us on Twitter at whoandcompany. Support the show at patreon.com slash whoandcompany. Or email us at whoandcompany at yahoo.com. Thanks, and see you next month. <laughs>